It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour, we bring in Reno here at Silver 7, Flamingo and Paradise. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield, 77-cent beers for the hockey game tonight. VGK looking to go up 3-0 in Florida in my – nope, Sunrise. Make sure we get that right. You don't want to make that mistake. Willie mm-hmm. was going to rip my head off yesterday. I want to do a giveaway right now to start off the hour. 364-1100. 364-1100. Caller 7. We've got four tickets for the Aces against the Chicago Sky. ESPN Fan Zone is presented by Westar Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen of Henderson. It's this Sunday, June 11th, noon. AXS.com is where you can get your tickets for the MUA. McUltra Arena. But Ari, check that. It's Damon. Force of habit. Sorry, Damon. Uh, Damon's got four tickets right now in the fan zone. Aces and Chicago Sky. Noon start on Sunday, 364-1100. Caller 7. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Oh, boy. I know I'm going to be in deep waters with this one. But Damon sent a story over the other day, and I was like, I'm going to save it for John because John's a video gamer. I Maybe I'm even wrong on this. A video game? I have no – a gamer or whatever. I, I don't see what I mean. I start going down the path, and this is a conversation between Damon and JVT. Damon, what is a $3,500 Apple headset? What does that even mean? It's the future, Steve. It, you know, no one's supposed to know what it means, but it's like Apple's version of you know augmented reality. You know how Facebook has their virtual world? Apple's jumping in the game, too, and you can get in on it for the low, low price of $3,500. Yeah, so I was actually – I hate that Steve is actually kind of right about this. I was listening to a podcast on the way here that were talking about that. <laughs> this is your hour, guys. Go ahead. Um, but what actually – what I don't understand is just like, you know, DeMond says, so it's a – they call it mixed reality. You know, if it's another term for augmented reality, whatever it is. Uh, but you can have – you can do broadcasts in it. You can have different things. You know, sporting events where it sounds like you're actually there or it would feel like uh, you're actually there. I think it holds exclusive rights to Major League Soccer and select like MLB games. So essentially you put the headset on and you act like you're like there at the park, you know, with great seats. Uh, so I'm going to make a connection because I really haven't looked into the messy thing too much and we want to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I saw that the deal with Messi to go to, Lionel Messi, to go to yeah. Inner Miami involves some sort of Apple share or stock or something. I wonder if it has to do with this, and they're all they're carried by Apple too, right? Well, and their TV package, the MLS TV package, is Apple, right? That, I think it has more to do with the TV rights thing than Apple okay. holds. But I wonder if this, this would have. I wonder if you, you know, if this this must be incredibly complicated because again, we last hour we were just talking about the Saudis buying into American sports and buying the PGA and eventually I think buying major league franchises and all four sports or at least a couple. They made a apparently a gigantic bid to get Messi because they're also doing their own soccer league. Yep. And Messi turned him down. So there must be something really valuable in this deal for Messi to, you know, finish up his soccer career in the MLS. I, I would think. I would think so. And, and look, if you remember a few years back, the NBA was trying this with like some of their augmented reality like seats, where you'd put on your VR headset and like you'd be sitting in a courtside seat essentially at a basketball game. So it sounds like they're just doing this. The problem is we're going to get like super technical, like my nerdy side. It's really cumbersome. Like, it has, like, a battery pack. It has, like, all sorts of – it's not, like, the sleek, futuristic thing that you think it is. So it's probably going to hold it back as well as, I don't know, 
costing $3,500? That's probably (laughs) not going to help you out. Everything comes down eventually. Yesterday, Willie sent in a story because it was National VCR Day, and he was asking if any of us have VCRs. Uh, I might still. Uh, Hey, there was a day when VCRs were thousands and thousands of dollars, and, you know, the dream of, like, a 60-inch TV, that was thousands and thousands of dollars. So maybe it comes down at some point. Damon, am I on to something here with Messi and the MLS and this Apple headset? Uh, no, I don't think there's any correlation between Messi signing the Apple deal and the Apple headset. But it will be good if the MLS, maybe if they bundle in that package for your Apple TV and you're watching Messi like right there, you're on the field with them. If they're going to try to make it like, oh, the live sports experience is going to be different, having Messi as the face of that, I think that'll sell a couple extra headsets. Number three. Come on, good story. Very good story. This next one... I can't say it strongly enough. I hate you. I hate you. you. You made me click on a link, and you know I love TikTok, and I see something with Baby Gronk, and I'm like, oh, Michael Mayer with the Raiders. Then I click on it, and there's this fat 10-year-old kid who doesn't appear to be very intelligent. If that insults people, go watch the he's, – he's an idiot. He's being interviewed by TMZ, and it, every answer is two words. I, I get is, – is this all a joke? What is – is this – it's some sort of setup here. He's a real football prospect. He's just gigantic to the rest of the kids. Um, then I've got Livy Dunn involved in LSU, and then some nerd who's got a unibrow on a video. Let's play this. Baby Gronk cheated on Livy Dunn. Baby Gronk, a.k.a. the new Riz King, is the number one college football prospect in the country and was committed to LSU. But recently, he's been seen on recruiting visits all across the nation. He's even met with Nick Saban and Deion Sanders. Livy is not happy about this. She might even get back together with the Drip King. Do you think Livy will stay with Baby Gronk or get back with the Drip King? Okay, he's 10. She's, what, like 20? Um, sorry for folks out there who don't like to hear 10-year-olds being called stupid, but he's kind of dopey. Right. And this whole story, I, I think I'm quitting TikTok, which is that is such a leap for me because I just started putting our stupid videos up there. And this is what I got to compete with because it'll get 8 million views on Baby Gronk and Baby Diggs. And it's just the, the Diggs kid is a little fatty and they're calling him the number one prospect in New York for 2030. He's terrible. I'm sure this kid's awful. I sorry, John. I know you have young boys, and uh, I've just gotten really mean. I mean, no, I think you can be stupid and be small. You so, had like, you had you had an absolute face palm as you were listening to that audio. Well, I just so look. I, I I'm not. Look I'm getting up, old. Look at him. Look at him. Like I'm getting old. All right. Like I know this. You're I'm 30, not. I'm 32. That's a thing. You're not. But you're. But you you have the patience of me. What do you mean? You really for stuff like this. Oh, you're, you're really not getting old. It's stuff like this is so bad in terms of content. What are we doing? Every once in a while, I have TikTok, and I like to flip through. I think there's a lot of creative people on there. I, I do a lot of food and cooking stuff on there, whatever. Every once in a while, I'm flipping through my my FYP, as the kids say, and uh, I stumble across a video that makes me question everything that I'm doing that has led me up into that moment to watch that video. I read the lead on this TMZ article. I'm like, where are we going as a society? I, I don't know what we're – By the way, did you watch the video? I did. I, the first – come on, come on. you got to admit because we didn't pull the we didn't pull the video because that would have set me over the edge. Come on, did you watch the video? 
Yeah, and like I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up on this. Maybe the kid, but it's not the kid's fault. It's the parents' fault. The dad has, you know, like he used to be a rapper. Or it's nothing uh, against that, but it's like this okay. dad is trying to get famous. Like right. this kid, where even the hug where Livy meets him, where he's like giving her the shoulder. Oh, he was so grossed like, out. Yeah, like any ten year old would be ecstatic to meet her. And it's just like, like yeah. the way they're coaching him up to be like, oh, he's got the riz. And it's like this kid doesn't know what he's doing. I can't blame the kid. He has, mean, no, he has no idea, yeah. and my guess is, and I'm sorry for calling him stupid, my guess is that his dad was like, don't talk a lot. This is my thing. Just say yes or no. Okay, I, Dad. The opening, the graph. Baby Gronk is erasing all doubt. The football prodigy tells TMZ Sports he is indeed the new drip king after meeting up with Livy Dunn, and he added that if he ever sees baby digs on the field, he's winning that matchup, no doubt. Like, I feel like that is, if you asked an AI to just give yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah, a yeah. paragraph yep. that was written by an 11-year-old. Yep. Using all sorts of like current terms, that would be it. Like I just, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't so understand bad. what's happening. I don't know why these people are popular, but like it, it is, and I just, I can't wrap my head around why. Number two, so bad. All right, what's going on here with uh, Dame Lillard? Is he asking for a trade or not? Okay. Here's the thing. I know that Demond thinks that like this is like the tepid step toward demanding a trade then stop saying that you want to win a title in Portland. It, this The windows don't match anymore, okay? Portland has the third overall pick. They have Shaden Sharp. They have Anthony Simons. They have Desir Little. They have, like, they have all of these intriguing young pieces on this roster. The window doesn't match anymore. It is time for Damian Lillard to go. It is commendable to say that you want to win there, but we're getting to the point now where, you know, if you turn too far left, you're all of a sudden going right. Like, Damian Lillard is becoming so, what's the word I'm looking for, dedicated, that he's actually working against the franchise's best interests. It's not working. You're not getting a team around you that is going to compete for a title. Go somewhere where you can. Number one. Silver Sevens on a Thursday getting ready for VGK in just a little bit. Game number three. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number in the north. You got to dial 775, and there is an office in Reno and Henderson and here in Las Vegas. You know, we did two and a half hours yesterday, and we never mentioned Chris Paul potentially being waived, and that was on purpose. There was a lot of stuff going on. I wanted to talk about the NBA Finals to a certain extent. The Iron Sheik took a lot of that time away. Okay. I'll dip my toe in the CP3 story here. So what do we make of this here? He is going to be waived. Has he been waived? Uh, Are they trying to work out a trade? What's the latest? Yeah, there is no latest. He's not. He hasn't been waived. They're in talks of maybe extending out the contract a little bit, not an extension, but extending it out in terms of payment, so they don't have to pay him all one big chunk that they owe him. Uh, Chris Haynes, who reported this for Yahoo Sports and TNT, you know, jumped the gun a little bit in, in saying that he was going to get cut because it hasn't been the case. He could still end up on Phoenix, so nothing right now. Still in limbo. What's the likelihood that he is waived and then takes a cheap deal to go play with some guys that he wants to play with? I think Because he didn't do that the last time around, No, and Phoenix gave him a lot of money. I mean, this is it now. You want to win a title, you're going to have to join forces with someone for pennies on the dollar. So what does he want? I mean, I, if you hear some of the comments, one of the quotes that came out today was he wants to stay with one of his close friends, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. This might be one of your best options. Take a pay cut, you know, get waived, and then re-sign at a cheaper price, and then help this team win a title. The team that you're on is the currently the best option for you. Is it? I think so. Well, let's flip it to the Suns. Do they want him? Yes. You think? Yeah. 
at, at the right price. That's that is. He's a backup now. Of course, he's a twenty-five minute per game guy. I mean, max it with, with a lot of rest. It depends on who you have. Yeah. If your primary other back guard is uh, campaign, then he's a starter. Well, they're going to go and get a point guard, right? They're going to go and get another point guard. They have to. You would try, and I don't know. Again, so the intricacies of the cap. I always say this: if you can find, you know, if teams want a guy, they can find a way to get him even with the new aprons that are coming in next year. Uh, and that's a big part of this, too. People don't know the new CBA rules, like the, the salary cap stuff and the aprons when you go over the luxury tax, that all kicks in next year. So you're going to see a lot of stuff like this where teams are cutting players, resigning players, working out their contracts because they have to get ready for what next year is. Do you cut him, re-sign him, and go get a Fred Van Vliet, who's probably going to be available? Sure, but that's going to be kind of expensive, and then you can have him as your backup. That's a pretty good rotation, a point guard. It's just can they make it work. All right, I saw a couple of – these are like pictures for radio, which is terrible radio, but I saw a couple of pieces of social media that I thought were really funny on Chris Paul possibly being available to the Lakers. Um, one, you know, with all the John Morant and Zion Williamson stuff going on, someone sent out a picture of Adam Silver on the phone with someone, and it basically was Silver asking the Suns to cut Chris Paul because we need a distraction. Just so we have something else to talk about. The other one I thought was even better. It was essentially David Stern coming back from the dead and telling Chris Paul, you're not going to the Lakers again. And it was a it was a video of The Undertaker rising out of the box. And I don't know who he was choking, but yes, David Stern. And the legacy of Chris Paul. Can the Lakers get Chris Paul when he's 100 years old? I would like to see it as a backup. As a backup. Sure. But again, you're not excited by that. Well, it's just like you said, like Chris Paul, like if did you watch the Lakers this year and go, hey, man, Chris Paul's going to push him over the top. No, no. He'd have to be a backup. And it's more on him. It's, hey, you want to take no money for it. Maybe you can win a title. It's Cofield and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling on. We were just talking about the uh, Nuggets and especially last hour, just this weird vibe around the country that the Nuggets are just boring and not worth covering. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a lot of excitement around the country. They're excited in Denver. I mean, I saw some of the images last night of what was going on at Ball Arena. And that, to me, is crazy that you've got 19,000 people sitting in an arena watching a road basketball game. Uh, Matt Smith covers the Denver scene for the fan in Denver. He's up with Cofield and Company with John Von Tobel and Cofield. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing this afternoon? I saw you post something. We're good. I saw you post something about the uh, ball arena. Were you there? I was not. No, I was not okay. there last night. But they sold out the building for a watch party. I mean, the, the, the vibe around here as a result of that, you know, they did the same last year for the Avalanche, but they didn't get 19000 They got a legit 19000 in there last night, all the watch of Jumbotron. So if that, if that doesn't tell you the, the, the Nuggets fever pitch in the city, I don't know what else will. So let's take everyone in Vegas back in history. And we talked to a lot of you guys in Denver, so we got a little bit of the skinny on you know the TV av- availability over the years. How mm. bad was it in terms of building a fan base when a lot of times the Nuggets were not readily available around town, and now look where we are here. You're filling up a building to, wa- to watch an arena on TV. I and mean, I think this is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's a great question. This is the end of the fourth consecutive season that Colorado fans that have Comcast are not allowed, are not able to watch uh, the Avalanche or the Nuggets 
on television when you just sit down. We've had to illegally stream them. And Comcast is the number one cable and television provider in this market. So it's been such a shame. It's kind of a double-edged sword because you feel in one way that fans have been deprived of some of the best years of their team's existence and being able to kind of form a relationship, you know, growing up, having some of these kids, you know, tune in every night. But the truth is, is when you've got a winner, you know, people are going to come see it. And so it's been remarkable that despite the fact that people haven't been able to watch either of these teams in the regular season for four consecutive seasons, missing two MVP runs from Jokic and what should have been a third one, a championship run last year with the Avalanche, and now a championship run this year with the Nuggets. It's a testament to Denver fans, but it's certainly disappointing, and unfortunately there's no end in sight. It's it's a fact that Jokic and Murray are the best two-man game in the NBA right now, right? Yeah, it is. It is, and it has even caught some of us. I would say by surprise a little bit because of the consistency with which they've been able to do it in the postseason. That's been one of the biggest knocks on Jabal Murray throughout his career. Certainly injuries have had something to do with it. But at the end of the day, you look at what these guys have done, two 30-point triple doubles in the same game for the first time in regular or postseason history. You know, And then Jokic with three of the five 30-20-10 games in NBA playoff history. It's just it's pretty remarkable that they've kind of taken the country by surprise, but it's been more of a been more of a result of the fact that they haven't been able to get over the second round hump. They made it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble, but past that, it just it's been disappointing result after disappointing result, and then certainly, you know, two years without you know with Michael Porter Jr. and without Jamal Murray, they haven't been whole, and now they're finally whole, and now they're finally healthy, and last night. And throughout this entire series, Denver has not shot the three ball well. I mean, they were 5 of 18 last night. The 18 three-pointers attempted matches an NBA Finals low back in, like, 2010 when Ray Allen, you know, hit the game-winning shot, you know, for over San Antonio. So the fact that they haven't been able to have one of the strengths of their offense and are still beating Miami is just a testament to, to Michael Malone and his coaching staff and certainly Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Matt Smith with us, host 104.3 The Fan. Follow him on Twitter, Real Matt Smith, only one T. Uh, all right, Matt, so let, let's talk about Jamal Murray for a second because I think, you know, we have these conversations. In full disclosure, I write about the NBA for uh, my job over at VSimware Sports Betting Network. So w- when you look at right Jamal on. Murray, you know, one of the things I think it's funny, the narrative is like, hey, everybody's learning about Nikola Jokic. I think everybody's learning about Jamal Murray. I think we forget about the bubble run that he went on. He gets injured. Like, when you look at Jamal Murray and the way that he has developed, how much do you put on this coaching staff, and how much is the country really realizing that, like, kind of buried out there in Denver, people aren't paying attention, is one of the most exciting offensive players that has shown up in the playoffs before that people just don't really remember? Yeah, I I give a lot of credit to Michael Malone and his staff because – Jamal really struggled mentally with the ACL tears and the, and the missing time. There was a lot of pressure here in Denver last year for him to try and make it back for the playoffs. But I actually kind of know a couple of guys who are helping him mentor, you know, kind of help, helping mentor him through that. And he was really struggling mentally. So behind the scenes, there was a notion he wasn't going to return last year. But there was a moment, and they talk about this a lot, where they're on a bus and he just torn his ACL against Golden State, and he kind of looks at Michael Malone, and he's crying, and he asks him, are you going to trade me? And Malone's like, of course not. You're our guy. And, and you know, I think that, that may sound hyperbolic, but the truth is is that because of the continuity of this organization, this is Malone's eighth year as the coach in Denver. He's one of the longest-tenured coaches in the league. 
it has made a difference to have that type of support from the top down. And yes, Murray has done it in the playoffs before, but the problem is, all kind of league simulated, no fans in the stands. Denver came back down 3-1 in two separate series. That doesn't happen in normal circumstances. So I think he's always had a knock. And in the regular season, he's been inconsistent. He's not an every-night guy. So until this year, and really the last two months, and I said this on my show, that the list of guards in the NBA that I would take over Jamal Murray is rapidly dwindling. And that is coming from a guy who has had serious questions about his game and his consistency and whether or not he'd actually be able to be the second best player on a championship team and he is screaming the answer right back to us yes so it's been fun to watch and certainly i think we're all you know the country has learned about Jokic, but the fact that he has a legitimate running mate it's pretty fun to watch this team so i think the other thing that people are learning a little bit more about obviously is michael malone and i want to get to him specifically but before we get to him i want to get to his relationship with michael porter jr can you explain this uh, to, to people who are listening? Because I, I think on the surface you would you would read some like look at some clips and see the way that things happen with the rotation. You're like, wow, he really hates Michael Porter Jr. But that's really not the case. It, it seems like it's a case of tough love that the guy actually believes that Michael Porter Jr. can be a great player. It was nice to hear him come out today and kind of support him. Right. They've had a bit of a tumultuous relationship throughout Michael Porter Jr.'s young career. This is a guy who they, they drafted, and he had a ton of potential. Had he not gotten hurt in college, he was probably the number one overall pick in that class, right? And so then you're talking about he was only 20, but he missed a crew that some of those real where you learn the game and learn how to get to kind of experience that and experience in college with that. So early on, it was a very tumultuous relationship because this is a kid who really doesn't have natural defensive instincts. And Michael Malone is is really a defensive-minded head coach. So a a lot of times he'd have a, a really short leash to the point where the conversation around here is, look, you're just going to have to live with some of these mistakes eventually because the upside is so high that maybe you can get a trade-off. And, and eventually Mike got healthy this year, and, and, and they built that trust. And around the first of the year, I'd say, we saw the biggest jump in Porter's uh, development as a professional since he's been in the NBA, and he's been incredibly consistent. He was one of the NBA's best shooters, uncontested three-point catch-and-shoot. And, you know, right now he's struggling. Right now he is certainly struggling. And I think, you know, you talk about some of that body language and some of the things that you're seeing – Well, we can listen to Michael Malone's words, and we can also look at his actions. He's trimmed Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes in consecutive games. You know, Porter is a no-show in this series as a $31 million a year player. Here's another fun fact. He gets paid more than Jamal Murray gets paid. (laughs) So there there are some serious concerns about it, because last night, the way Denver won, in my opinion, is not sustainable. I mean, you had two 30-points, one by 15, but he only shot five of 18. The one thing we know about Miami is they are a much better shooting team than I think anybody gave them credit for heading into the postseason. They made 11 threes last night, but who's to say they don't come right back out and make 15 to 16, right? Like they did in, you know, game two with 17. And if that happens, Denver's going to have to find a way to get somebody else to produce because it's not just MPJ, it's Contavious Caldwell Pope as well, who has also been a no show in this series after being really good against the Lakers in the conference finals. So 
Christian Brown off the bench with some huge minutes as a rookie last night kind of took us by storm here, and he's been a big you know, uh, storyline and a talking point today. But, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to step up. And I, I like to see the fact that Malone kind of offered him a hug instead of a kick in the ass today, which was maybe a little bit of a deviation from his standard procedure. But we'll see how it plays out because I do believe they're going to need him if they want to win this series. Matt, I've got 30 seconds left, so we're going to go down to Dangerous Pass because we've been talking about it. Where would they have a parade in Denver? Right downtown, where we okay. did with the Avs last year. Yeah, right. right downtown. Right and at how, Civic Center Park, yeah. How well attended was the Avs? Would it be bigger for the Nuggets? Good question. Avs was about five fifty to 600000 but with the fever pitch that this city's reached, I think we're going to see well over a million for the Nuggets. Wow. I really do if they end up wow. winning. It, it's pretty crazy, the fever around here. Matt, good spot, man. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. On the way out, is Vegas winning tonight or not? I don't think so. I'm not supposed to say that, okay. but I don't think so. No, I think the Panthers put up a big effort. So if you're talking betting, right, I'd probably go with the Panthers. All right, well, that's good to know. Well, then I'm definitely fading you for sure. Go night. Uh, brilliant move because uh, before last uh, night, yesterday I won two out of three bets. Before that, I'd lost 11 in a row. So uh, fade me on everything I say. We'll get to that. We'll get to that this hour. I think the Panthers have a shot. It's our last shot. You got They got to step up in this game. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, there's massive news yesterday, maybe the biggest sports news in the entire world, but I'm just not into it enough to know the enormity of it. Okay. Do you get Lionel Messi to enter Miami? Well, I think it's I think it's a big deal for like in the world of soccer only because MLS gets a big name that still has something to give to a certain extent. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say it does more harm than good, but I will say that all this is, is exactly what we think. Hey, if you've got insane amounts of money or a way to acquire some sort of wealth to give to a guy, then sure, maybe he'll come. But I don't think it's some like big win for MLS. Like, see, they care. We're real soccer. Like, I don't really think that's the case. I mean, I would say this and Damon, I want you to chime in on this because you wanted to mention the impact on American soccer. If I'm going to say 99%, if Messi plays two or three years, and I mean we're already hearing like $19 tickets are now $350. I think Inter Miami cut off ticket sales. They're like, All right, we got to regroup here. Um, you know he's going to kill it on the road. Mm-hmm. If the attention the ML- MLS gets the next three years from Messi being in the league doesn't get them a giganto, legit money making. TV deal, then they're never going to get one. Yeah. Now, never is kind of ridiculous, but this is their best chance, isn't it, Damon? Oh, they already have the TV deal. That's part of the Apple deal to get mm. Messi over here. They're behind the paywall on Apple, but I do think that that's going to move the needle to get them some more subscribers with Apple TV. Where Messi, th- this is, you know, if LeBron said, hey, guys, I'm hanging it up, I'm going to go play, you know, over in China next year, where, you know, that would get some more eyeballs in that league. So is this going to, you know, change the face of soccer or more players going to follow this trend no because not that many players are valuable enough to hey we're going to give you ownership stake and like apple equity no more player more players are not worth that but i do think that this is a big deal for the mls to get messy apple deal is 250 million dollars a year it's nothing yeah 10 years 2.5 billion it's nothing yeah in the big picture it's nothing like to be to be at a level because think about it you're if you're sharing 250 a year with what, what are they up to now? 26, 28 teams, whatever they're at. I mean, it's 
It's ten million dollars a team. That's not enough. Right now, uh, now I, I'm assuming. I, I want to read more on this. I don't like going on the air and saying, you know, I'm assuming that uh, this is exclusive. But uh, there's got to be a window in here for them to make more money than two hundred fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, I just like I said, like so maybe it's it, maybe that, it's, this, that's the only way this league works and moves away from what essentially is a pyramid scheme. But, but here's the problem, though, right? With that thought process, they signed the deal, and the first year is 2023, and it's a 10 year deal. So if you're, you know what I mean? Like so, I mean, do they have, do they have, a, do they have the ability like the NFL to now farm it out to someone else, or was that such a big deal for the MLS that Apple's like, yeah. no, it's, it's it, you're locked in. Because if you're locked if in, if that's the case, I, I mean. It, I'm sure it's a bump up from what they used to make, but is it? They keep adding teams. That's the other thing. They keep cutting up the pie more. In reality, I think, first off, the TV deal might be something. I would think what you want if you're MLS 2 is to show, like, to get Messi in and also get him to extend the message to other, like, football players that, hey, the MLS is a real league and a real sport that is worth playing in. Look, I'm playing in it. You guys can also come over here and make money and play play good soccer, and grow your league in that regard. I'm thinking that's what MLS is hoping. Inter Miami's already got what it wants. By the way, I think it's a fully privately funded stadium over there in Miami, right? So um, when I read that, I, that's another one. I got to do some research on this. Wait a second. We're supposed to uh, invest three eighty on the front end, and then probably over a billion in terms of tax savings and. Other cost and they went for, to go for, get Messi for a baseball team. They got Messi and they have a, a they have a one billion dollar, calling it Freedom Park, twenty five thousand seat stadium, that is privately funded. Huh? Uh, this hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers offices in Reno, Henderson, and Las Vegas. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. 1400 You got to dial seven seven five in the north. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do a little college football, a little betting on the uh, NBA and also the Stanley Cup Finals. Brad Powers is in. JBT is here. We're here at Silver Sevens. Brad, how are you, buddy? Excellent. Thanks for having me, as always. I feel like you might be in a better mood. Was there any uh, peace treaty worked out with uh, Fezzik? Did you guys actually do some podcast action together for the first time in a long time <laughs> well i mean the old wrestling i mean just if you don't like each other doesn't mean you, you don't work with uh one another a couple of house shows but uh yeah we did end up doing our first podcast together in three and a half years i like that line if you don't like each other doesn't mean you don't work together wow, Cofield and company i think that's uh, our motto there's, there's a lot of shows we could talk about past and present on that <laughs> one uh how is fez doing i actually i walked up to fez I don't know if uh, you got the invite. You missed quite the shindig. John was there. Uh, Doug Kazarian is a highfalutin fella, oh, yeah. a super wealthy ESPN guy, and he decided to have a birthday party in DTS for his dog. Um, the dog was treated like royalty. I've never had a birthday party like that in my life, and Fezzik was there. And I actually walked up to Fez, and I talked about FDU and Purdue, and i got to tell you, folks, we're not going to get into the story too much, but it didn't work out for him. He was actually more than willing to talk about it. Brad, and that's why Fez is cool because uh, he doesn't hide his run away when you know when bets you know don't go his way. Nor do you, and I think I think that is you know it's funny. John and I were just talking about uh, John was talking about your know, handicapping and putting up picks. There, I think there is a way to handle yourself, and, and some full disclosure is a good thing for the buyer for the viewer. Certainly, it's few and far between as far as talking about losses, but uh, I'm pretty self-deprecating, so I'm not afraid to talk about it. 
sometimes I actually prefer to talk about the losses instead of the wins. Uh, I'll say this with the, the Purdue FDU situation, yeah. I was disappointed in that one. Not because uh, of, you know, him saying that there was value, not because uh, of the loss or whatnot, but because he could have shopped a little bit harder and got a much better price. That's why I was disappointed in that. All right, I want to ask you. I was uh, I was looking through your Twitter account, and I wanted to ask you about something you tweeted out a little bit ago. Uh, walk us through why you have so many tickets on Clemson. Not the tickets themselves, but the thought process. I would assume, obviously, there's some undervalued nature there to what you believe in in terms of the Clemson Tigers in the big picture. Yeah, I mean, the demise of Dabble Sweeney, I think, has been greatly exaggerated. I mean, just because why? Because he went 21-6 and six the last two years. He doesn't have a national title contending program anymore. I just well, While Florida State's the team that's getting all the love, and in many cases, deservedly so in the ACC this year, I just think, you know, if there's nationally a program and a team that people are forgetting about is Clemson, and I'm just... I'm not saying that they deserve to be the favorite. Obviously, that's Georgia, and obviously, I'd have Ohio State, and Michigan up in that mix before I went Clemson. But man, uh, not in every single market, I'm finding value on Clemson. Whether it's the futures markets, whether it's you know week one and some early postings on the line against Duke, I thought there was value. Just a lot of value on the Tigers, a team that I have right now in my power ratings. When I look through the schedule, I got them favoring all 12 games. So I know DJ Uyangalale got a lot of the criticism for the way that offense was handled last year. I, Brad, what did you think of just the offensive scheme? Because I watched one that I wasn't overly impressed with. I know DJU had some fault in it, but I feel like Dabo can look around at his staff and be like, all right, we've got to improve at some point because their offense is somewhat vanilla, even with a struggling quarterback. But thank you for setting me up for that layup. What I failed to mention was one of the biggest reasons why I like Clemson this year is an upgrading scheme. Uh, fire their offensive coordinator. They get Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's brother. Where was Garrett Riley coaching last year? TCU. They seem to have a pretty good offense and seem to have a pretty good season with the exception of the title game. So I think a massive upgrade in that front. And I think Cade Klubnick going from a freshman to a sophomore will be one of the most improved quarterbacks in the country. Brad Powers is with us. BradPowersSports.com, at BradPowers7, up on Twitter. Yeah, we're talking college football pretty much year-round. I do need an update. The audience needs an update. Give me the official date of the road trip and uh, how many cities and stadiums in how many days? Uh, we're going to try 25 stadiums in four days. And uh, it's going to start on a Monday in July, July the 17th. Is when I'll start. So it'll be July 17th to the 20th, trying to do 25 stadiums in four days. We'll see. Looking back, and you've told these stories a lot, but I forget, the audience forgets, what was the most underwhelming place you went to I for some reason Kansas pops to the top of my mind but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they also put a bunch of money in there so I wonder if that's worth another visit is Kansas like the the most disappointing spot you hit yeah it was the worst I mean just because uh, I mean it's all relative expectations I gotta be honest with you a lot of the group of five uh, places I've been to have been totally I mean I've been impressed actually even the New Mexico states the UTEPs in the world have had really fine stadiums uh Kansas I just by far the worst Power Five stadium, and I would put almost half, if not more than than, than half of the Group of Five stadiums the next over Kansas. Now they're going to do some work, but it just to me it looked like a stadium that was built like a hundred years ago. I just and they didn't update anything. Have you done a Group of Five around the West? Yeah, I've been to Nevada. I've been to Reno. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Nevada. I've been up there. Uh, I like to Wyoming. I really like that. Just the uniqueness yep. of being at 7,200 feet. So, yeah, I've been to a few. 
Okay. Yeah, I would I would recommend the Mountain West has some pretty San Jose neat. State's beautiful. Are you serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's on well, it, it's gonna be. It's under construction. Point, yeah. that, that the entire uh, you know they ripped out one of the sides, which really didn't have a lot of seats. They're putting up a whole uh, sports facility there. I think it's it's going to be pretty good. I think New Mexico is underrated. Uh, Utah State's kind of neat. There's some there's some there's some pretty good ones out there. Um, is there a stadium on this trip that you're looking forward to? Um, that and again, when you go, you you go only to places you haven't seen before. Yeah. So I haven't been to any of these. Uh, you know, obviously there's some big boys on the list like Clemson, Georgia, that I haven't seen yet. But if there was one that I'm really excited about, it's the G5. It's Appalachian State and Bill, just because oh, yeah. of the backdrop. Yep. <laughs> uh, what is that? Boone, North Carolina. I think one of our buddies yeah, in Boone, town. Yep. Yeah, one of our buddies in town, uh, Matt and Everett, actually went there. I Believe it or not, um, and this would be right up uh, your alley, um, I actually, I don't know how I did this, back in like 2000. 2000 or 2001, I think it was 2000, I actually called a like an indie wrestling event uh, in, in a gym. It wasn't App State, but it was like the high school gym. And I got to call a fight with Greg the Hammer Valentine in Boone, North oh, Carolina. Wow. And he was, he. Uh, I'll say he was stoked, and it was not natural. He, he, woo, woo, he, was, he was fired up. Buff Bagwell. Buff was there as well. So very exciting. I'm, I can't wait to hear about Boone. I think Boone's going to be a, a really good part of the trip. So... I saw, again, you know, Brad's doing podcasts all the time. Uh, and you're starting to do regular stuff with whoever Joey Kanish is, which is one of my favorite names. Right. I um, you guys posted the graphic of Michigan. Did you guys make a pick on over-under wins for Michigan? We did not. He's a Michigan fan. Uh, I, I'll say this. I haven't bet. It's like one of only 20 win totals. I haven't bet yet. I'm up to like 110 out of 133 teams. But I'll probably get there. I was just waiting for some idiot book to like post like a 10. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I, I do lean over 10.5 favorite in all 12 games. Uh, 10 of them are by at least two touchdowns. So uh, unless they get a quarterback hurt, and even then, I mean, you just turn right around and hand it off to the, one of the best one-two punches in the country at running back and, and Edwards and Corum. So uh, I like Michigan quite a bit this year. So speaking of the Big Ten, and this is a big-picture question for you for next season, we know that in 2024 they're going to have a new football schedule model, 11 protected matchups, they're going to eliminate divisions. For a guy who bets win totals, what does eliminating divisions do? Obviously, when we're talking about it, you want to see the schedule, uh, but when you're talking about projecting for some of these wins and these schedules, theoretically getting harder because you're playing different teams, what does that do from a win total standpoint? Yeah, I mean, USC could be, be one of the best teams in the country. Have you seen their schedule next year? They open up with LSU here in Vegas next year, plus like play, yep. you know, the Michigans and the Ohio State. So, well, plus Notre Dame also in non-conference. They haven't dropped that game. So, incredibly tough schedules for the Trojans. I think it, it, instead of the win total so much, I mean, obviously case-by-case basis, where it does affect me, the elimination of divisions, it, it probably prevents me less from taking long shots because – you know, one division might be stronger than the other, and I would, you know, the weaker the division, oh, I can see this team making a run and winning the division, and even though they're 40 or 50 to 1 to win the conference, I can, you know, try to earn off of that once they make the conference championship game. I'm just going to be less inclined to bet those teams, and obviously when you, when you remove divisions, the cream is going to rise to the top. Brad Powers is with us. Uh, Brad, tell people where they can find your stuff and sign up for your newsletter. This is a really important time to start getting line value with uh, so many games, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season out. Yeah, BradBowerSports.com, at the top of the page, just, uh, you know, check it out there. 
free info up there. Uh, I just updated some returning starter info. So, yeah, BradPowerSports.com is the website. How many games are you on now? Well, overall bets, I'm over 250. Uh, right. So, you know, that counts week one. That counts game of the year, season win totals, futures. I bet 35 conference futures this week, so that was fun. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I- I'm getting there. Are you super aggressive with the group of five games that are available? I have bet about half the week one games. Uh, I'm waiting from the post totals. That's going to be a situation where I think I could bet almost every single college football total just because the new rules changes and, you know, tempos and, you know, the different, you know, coordinators are bringing the different types of tempos. I just think there's going to be a lot of value there. But yeah, certainly I bet almost every group of five week one games so far. You know, with you, I always like to mention the cautionary tale too of what the transfer portal has done to college football. And I'll just give you a good example. UNLV has a new coach in Barry Odom. They put out a video yesterday of move-in day, and they featured a bunch of the kids who are new to the program now in June. You know, these are guys who are coming in for the fall. And I counted 31 new players, and I think there were 10-plus in for the spring. That's, that's where handicapping gets crazy if a team has turned over 40 players. And your name came up the other day. I was talking to our good friend Tony Miller, who said right now, He's hesitating a bit to put up all those UNLV game lines because of that reason, because there's so much turnover on the roster. And I wonder how many group of five schools have turned over at least 25 guys. And you're like, okay, what do we do here? Uh, yeah, almost all of them, at least yeah. 25. I mean, I'll yeah. give you a team that's, you know, obviously Colorado's getting the, the most uh, attention, but a group of five school that has over 50 new players, counting transfers, Texas State with a first-year yep. coach, 50. Yep. Yeah, I saw Texas State has been uh, – scooping up a bunch of guys recently. I think I cost UNLV a player, an offensive lineman, because I, uh, I misspelled his name. Uh, you know, I mentioned that he was interested in UNLV, and then he landed at Texas State. So I guess whoever <laughs> whoever covers them on Twitter spelled his name correctly, so I blew it. I uh, thank you. I'll slip you that 20 because I've yeah. been UNLV under six and a half wins. Oh, there, okay. All right. This, li- this lineman could have been uh, one of their starting tackles, maybe. I hope not. I hope I didn't do that. Brad, you're the best. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, that would, that would be – I would get a talking to on that one. Uh, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, real quick, before we get out of here, yeah. anything on the hockey game tonight? Are you playing any of the Stanley Cup final? I'll just give you an opportunity to fade me right now. I do have the Panthers minus 120. That's exactly the same price I have. It's my first hockey bet of the year, so I did bet that. Ooh, I'm scared that you're on it, though. Oh, I'm sorry, man. All right, well, I'll send you something later on if it doesn't work out for us. All right, thanks. See you. There he is, Brad Powers. Yeah, is that crazy? And I know, you know what, I haven't gotten to count. Uh, Nevada football and their turnover, they had they had to turn over that roster because mm-hmm. it got decimated by uh, you know their former coach bailing for Colorado State. So Ken Wilson had to turn over the roster. It is it's going to be crazy, man. There's going to be a couple surprise teams at the Group of Five level who you know really worked out well with their incoming players. It's going to be some surprises, mm-hmm. but uh, you're not going to really know for a couple weeks into the season. So if you're dying to bet some group of fives, especially against big boys, good luck. That's why I don't know how Brad does that. With all the projections and everything like that, you're it's crazy. It's totally, it's totally nuts. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We have another hour on the way. Make sure you call the guys if you need advice, 766-1400. We will get into more of uh, the Nevada government examining the A's stadium package.